Support for this episode comes from Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why Viator has over 300,000 bookable experiences, so there's always something for everyone. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Michael Kist. Are you copying not listening again? Benjamin Solak. You never listen! It's the Kist and Solak Show. Presented by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. You are flying high on the Kist and Solak Show. This is episode 162, brought to you by the fine folk at SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I am your host, Michael Kist. Follow me on Twitter at MichaelKistNFL. That's K-I-S-T. As always, joined by the best doggone co-host in the game, Mr. Nine Year Streak Without a Bad Day. He is Benjamin Solak. Follow him on Twitter at Benjamin Solak. That's S-O-L-A-K. Ben, how you doing, brother? Mike, every day is, is a good day to be alive. I appreciate you asking. I have never cared so much about what is like 75% chance not even a real injury in my entire life are you where are you part of the tinfoil hat brigade on this one because i think that's silly to think that what, that, that like it's like totally made up no okay this is like such a classic 21st century twitter problem right <laughs> is it a is it a sprained shoulder ac joint which swells up post or is it a an, an elbow contusion which would have immediately caused pain and I'm like i don't like this is like where we go grasping at straws right this is where we go like Oh, did you see how Carson Wentz started walking back to the sideline after the third and seven incompletion? Clearly, he's pissed off that I did. You know what I mean? I, I, I know what I can know, and I don't know what I, I know what I cannot know. And yeah. what I cannot know is what's going on in Dak Prescott's shoulder. Eventually, I will be told because by rule, they have to tell us eventually <laughs> what's going on and whether or not he's going to play or not. He has to be listed as something. Yeah. Here's what I know Prescott said he's getting better, he's improving. He's going to be good to go on Sunday, and he's going to try to start throwing on Saturday. The latest time at which he's going to throw, excuse me. This is what he told reporters. This is what I choose to believe. And, like, any other theory, whatever. You know what I mean? I'm I'm, I'm, I'm whatever. That being said, as somebody who has multiple bets tied up into this game in different facets, i.e. picked Dallas to cover the second the line opened, TBH. (laughs) Also picked the Eagles to win the division after the Miami game. I've got a lot. There's a lot situationally that could be going on here right now. That's a bold pick. <laughs> yeah, no. It, well, I mean, like, it was when the line was going to be the cheapest because yeah. you lose to the Dolphins and obviously uh, bookmakers get, get scared. So I took it because, like, the Dolphins game actually didn't matter. It just felt like it did. But anyway, Prescott got hurt. And if he plays, he's either going to be on some drugs or he's going to be limited. Always going to be gutting it out, and it's going to affect him. But that is far less interesting to me than the fact that the Dallas Cowboys exclusively run to their tight end in their base offense. And that's what we're going to talk about on this show for the majority of it. Not Prescott rumors and situational things of what could be and what couldn't be. And there's like, you know, like BGN Radio Main Show talks about this and whatever. Like, you know, it's worthy to talk about. But like what interests me is, is what I can see on the film. And before we get to the preview of Cowboys Eagles, just some last second speculation here, as you noted, just from things that uh, Pro Football Doc, Dr. Chow, have put out there, just to kind of clarify some of the situations going on around the shoulder. He says, quote, just because the shoulder MRI didn't show a tear doesn't mean he can throw and be effective versus Eagles. Uh, more from Chow regarding why Dak was able to finish the game with such an injury. Quote, by video, he was dumped on his right elbow when his elbow hit the ground. This forced his shoulder up, likely causing a rotator, rotator cuff contusion. The reason he was able to finish the game is because swelling does not set in immediately. Now that the swelling has increased, it would make sense that he's unable to throw as he, Dak has not been throwing throughout this week in practice, not doing jumping jacks with his arm in the air and all that stuff as we've seen. Chow continues, it is good news that there is no tear shown on MRI, but this does not guarantee that the swelling will go away in time for the NFC East matchup with the Eagles. Cowboys medical staff is doing everything they can, including rehab, medication, and injections to quiet the bursal swelling and presumed cuff contusion 
the rotator cuff needs to function close to 100% in order for Prescott to be able to throw uh, and be accurate, unquote. So, and, and like I was telling you before the show, like a lot of people have said, well, Dak finished the game. He should be, you know, he's, he's totally fine. Well, we don't really know because the game script led to a conservative game plan, a running game plan from the Cowboys in the second half. And there are no throws on film of Dak throwing down the field after the injury. His air yards in the second half were zero, negative one, four, negative three, two, negative five, and two. Sounds like a Carson Wentz game plan, brother. Right, exactly. <laughs> so that's five out of seven throws that didn't pass the line of scrimmage. None went more than five yards. So we really don't know Ben how are we operating in this show are we operating that Dak is 100% going to be able to throw without a problem without being too inaccurate 10 yards down the field because it's such a dramatic shift in how the game would go not only that the Eagles so if we're going to do that the Eagles should be preparing as if Dak is 100% well you have to right because the thing is like we've seen Cooper Rush come in in garbage time in the Cowboys biggest wins he's not attempted a pass this year right so I can't even tell you what it would look like if he threw a football let alone what they would change what they would want to get out of him what I can tell you is this you know four games of the Cowboys offense over the last four weeks You know the biggest difference between the Cowboys' difficult offensive outputs uh, in in their three-game skid versus the shellacking they laid on the Rams? Mm. Prescott was just on one. I mean, that, like, to me, like, they did not do much different in terms of route distribution, in terms of situational play calling. I think they got him out of the pocket more, which was nice. I think they ran more flood concepts, which he's good at. Uh, I think they were willing to get away from the running game earlier, which was also nice. But if you want, like, what was different? I mean, Prescott was just... The first half, he was on one. He was yeah. murdering cats. The line, And then he too. got beat up, and then they had a 35 or 30-point lead or whatever the heck it was. And, and, and they sidelined him without actually putting him on the sideline right like he didn't like you said didn't attempt passes down the field and they ran the football and they ran the clock out and and the Rams scored garbage time points whatever but I mean this was total dominance um so I what I will say is that like a a limited Prescott does drastically affect the offense he's the butter he's the grease that that oils the wheels you know Uh, he, he makes them the engine go um but you can't say like all right like you can't you can't say to your team in Thursday practice, all right, like it, you know, if Prescott's at eighty percent, this is what we expect them to run, so we expect them to do. I think you can in the coaching staff rooms. I think you can ask yourself, like, you know, if, if this is an injury, is it going to affect zip? Does it affect downfield distance? What does it exactly affect, and how would you adjust that? So you do kind of model it. From, you know, as a coaching paradigm, I don't think you, you can not. And at what point do we see that during the game right. and, at, and what are our adjustments right. therein? Yeah. My main concern is this. And I, I, I addressed this earlier when I when I talked about, you know, studying the Cowboys running game has been the most interesting thing for me. And, and like, you know, I have some notes on that. My main concern is if Prescott is a no go or if Prescott's limited or if Prescott's hit in the, the first quarter and he has to go to the sidelines to re-aggravate something and rush goes in. My concern is that we can take all of our running game tendencies and throw them out the window. Right. Because I was shocked over the games that I watched about how well I was able to predict the Cowboys running game. Mm-hmm. It's not very they're, they're, they they stick to tendency pretty strong. Yeah. Uh, my concern would be, and, and I think the Eagles are going to be able to put out a good defensive showing against the Cowboys running game accordingly. Now, Ezekiel Elliott has historically been really good against the Eagles, so we got to talk about what that's going to look like and why. But if you put Rush in, I think you can throw the game plan out the window defensively, right? So that's my main concern is that Prescott's going to be a game time decision. You have to prepare like he's going to be on the field. This is one of the, the, the hottest quarterbacks in the league, one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Then he's not there. And the, the game plan is going to look a lot different than you thought it was going to be. And you're going to have to be able to adjust on the fly. Now, that being said, that issue for the Eagles pales in comparison to the issue for the Cowboys, which is that Dak Prescott is not playing and Cooper Rush is playing. So I would, that's the issue I would rather have is not knowing what's going to happen with Cooper Rush versus having to try to do something with Cooper Rush, you see? So I, I think like that's 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 the way that I look at it. I think as a, as a coaching staff, you can't help but think on it. You have to wonder. You have to consider, okay, like, you know, we, we find out Cooper Rush is going to play on Saturday at, at 4 p.m. Like, you know, what 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 should we start with? What what should we immediately try to get done in that timeline that that 
sudden about face in preparation. Um, but until you know, you got to just pick, all right, we're getting 100% of Dak Prescott. We need to be able to beat that team. That's the best Cowboys team we'll see is 100% of Dak Prescott. So let's assume and pretend we're going to get him. And you can't look at this Dallas team and say, okay, just because Dak might be hurt a little bit in the shoulder, depending on the severity of the injury, because you don't know the severity. And look at the look at the Rams game. Ben, how many option looks Run option looks, whether it be triple option, read option, or whatever the case may be, they might not do as much against the Eagles if Dak is banged up like that. You can't prepare as if they're not going to because it was all over their film. I'm talking there was at least a dozen, and I put some of the videos up on the timeline. And the Eagles know. They got burned by by triple option where they motioned a guy into pistol and blah, 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 blah. They do all this fancy stuff. Like, they did a lot of different things against the Ram. They've beaten the Eagles with it before. And that's a major concern for this team that just got shredded by a five-flat quarterback with an iffy ankle and Dwayne Haskins on some speed options. So the Cowboys should be very interested in getting that going. And look, shoulder or not, this is do or die. This is playoff stuff. Sometimes you got to gut it out. Sometimes we need you to look like you're going to be a threat as a ball carrier so we can do these things. Right. Uh, so the first thing that you notice with the Cowboys option looks is that they, and this is like weird, traditional runs, fullback. Option runs, take the fullback out, right? Yeah. Like, oh, like, you know, running ISO, running power, let's get a fullback in there. And then if we're going to do option stuff, let's get rid of the fullback. They do option stuff with Jamise Oluwale in the the backfield yeah. and to my eyes and I, I i i didn't verify this i didn't chart this when he's in there and, and it's more of a traditional run set i mean they're play action relatively consistently so it, it, it's odd i think they do a nice job of disguising when they're going to get into their option looks they, they 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 do well to make it look like it's going to be typical stuff and then all of a sudden prescott pulls and he runs and I, I think that that's excellent the biggest concern that you have in this regard is that the Cowboys have done a really good job pulling it out situationally against the Eagles, mm. finding third downs, finding, uh, you know, uh, 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 short yardage situations close to the red zone. It hasn't with been the, something they've beat them up with consistently, but they beat them smartly in spots, in, in key spots. Do it enough sort of a thing, right? Like do it enough where it has to be respected. That's how you typically talk about the quarterback run, the quarterback keep on the read option. Well, when you're facing the Philadelphia defense, it's really always there. I mean, <laughs> they and, and so and okay, and let's do an interesting thing. Let's talk about why. Well, yeah. because in order to successfully defend a typical read option, in which you know you have an end man on the line of scrimmage, whenever you see E M L O S is, is what I'll typically put in tweets, end man line of scrimmage. So this is the last guy on the line that would be blocked last guy in the box typically you reading this player in the in the backfield so you go and you block the three technique the play side defensive tackle the backside defensive tackle the the the, the 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 play side defensive end you you climb up to the linebackers it's all zone flow and zone flow obviously the entire offensive line is moving one way so that backside defensive end that end man on the line of scrimmage is unblocked. If running typical zone flow, you can try to crash him with a split zone blocker. You can leave him unblocked and let him try to pursue from the backside so you can cut up in front of him. Uh, or you can run read option to hold him. And, and, and the reason you hold him is because the quarterback presents the threat to run. If that end man line of scrimmage, that unblocked defensive end crashes down, you can pull the football as the quarterback don't give it to the running back. That end man crashes down onto the running back. You keep it, and there's no contain. You get to the outside. Well, what's the typical solution? What's the answer to a defense in the event that they have a, 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 a typical read option offensive look, and you want your defensive ends to play aggressive into that? Well, what you do is you you get a linebacker or a safety behind him, and you execute what's typically called a, I guess it's not exactly a scrape exchange. You could the also call it crashing the, the mesh point. But what you're going to do here is as that defensive end comes out of the C-gap and comes flying down to the running back in backside pursuit, you have a linebacker who, instead of coming aggressively downhill into his gap against the zone run, he folds behind the end man on the line of scrimmage and he tracks the quarterback. And in the event that the quarterback keeps it, the quarterback read the defensive end was crashing into the mesh point, crashing into the running back, so he kept it. He did not see the linebacker peeling off of his responsibility to then enter space and be the contained player. This is a, a essentially a scrape exchange. Cool. Philadelphia can't scrape exchange, Mike. They can't scrape exchange. And the reason they can't scrape exchange is because they go three tech, five tech, or three tech, seven tech on the back side. And they don't have a linebacker aligned in the B gap. They have a linebacker aligned in the A gap. Mm. And you cannot scrape exchange all the way from the A gap. In 2018, when the Cowboys ran a third and one speed option to Ezekiel Elliott, 
the reason they got it successfully is because the Eagles had to scrape exchange with Nigel Brown out of the A gap, and Brown couldn't make it in time. Mm-hmm. Chris Long crashed down off of off of as the defensive end crashed down to the quarterback to handle the quarterback on a speed option look. The uh, quarterback kicked it out to the running back to the outside on speed option, and there was no linebacker there to make Chris Long right. There was no linebacker there to exchange gaps with Chris Long because the Eagles put their linebacker in the A gap and not in the B gap. So he's too far to the inside to make this work. So unless you're rotating a safety down, which the Eagles do, then you can't scrape exchange. When the Eagles rotate the safety down, they rotate him down to the tight end side. You run read option to the opposite side. You run read option to the non-tight end side. And that's why you're going to be successful against Philadelphia. If you go and you watch Dwayne Haskins' 30-yard run, (laughs) the issue with this run is that the end man of line of scrimmage, who I believe was Duke Riley, elected to take the outside look of the running back at the line of scrimmage, despite the fact that the Eagles had, I believe, Malcolm Jenkins scraping over the top. And so when they finally had numbers to be advantageous against an option look, they don't practice well against it. Duke Riley barely plays on defense, and they, they had a mistaken call. So you you schematically you're at a disadvantage, and then the Eagles are just very aggressive edge players in general. When it's a stand-up linebacker, Duke Riley had no idea what he was doing. The Eagles have never successfully defended option looks in the last couple of years. Cowboys are running them more than ever. They're going to continue to do so. Now, yeah. if you're afraid of Prescott getting hurt, it takes it away from you a little bit. But I think that Prescott, who's a tough-as-nails dude, is going to make it very clear that if he's playing... He wants the playbook on 100%, and he's going to be willing to to run the football, even if that means he has to slide a little bit earlier than he wants to. Yeah. So you have the difficulty of getting a defense schemed up that's had issues of stopping the option before. And then even if you do that, something that our friend Betts at All22 pointed out on the, the, uh, the timeline the other day, he said the defenses around the NFL are doing fine scheming up option defenses against Lamar Jackson and that Baltimore Ravens offense. He's just the best athlete on the effing field right now. So you can draw it up perfect. But for the Eagles, now you have to tackle Dak in space. Now you have to get to Zeke Elliott. You have to get to Tavon Austin in space. You know, you have to you have to win these one-on-one matchups, right? You have to take down that pitch option guy on the outside, one-on-one in space. It comes down to not only playing discipline, but also tackling as well, which is not a strong suit of the Eagles defense this year. You know, while you were talking, the 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 best rep that I have seen the Eagles play against an option look was by Camus Grugier Hill in the Pittsburgh Steelers preseason game from last year. Oh yeah. You remember that? I remember this. Yeah, yeah. We were this is this is when we were officially like, listen, play Camus on the line of scrimmage and never take him off the field for the rest of time. So that was a really good rep by Camus, but he's not going to be available either. So that is a shame. And I think some of the one of the big keys for me, we can kind of get into the the rest of the Dallas offense here, but the Eagles throughout the year have been a second half team defensively. Their defense ranks twenty-sixth in first half points. Dallas ranks ninth in first half scoring. They're second, or excuse me, they're sixth in the second half. So they're pretty even across the board. I mean, the Eagles defense is going to have to be consistent around the board too. Because if they get track meted in the first half, I don't think it's going to matter how stingy they are in the second half. They have to be able to hold up. And a key to be able to doing that is stopping Amari Cooper. And you look at the way PFF projects these matchups, Amari Cooper taking 47% of his snaps on the right side of the formation on the outside. That lines up against Jalen Mills. So Jalen Mills is going to be tasked with it with with taking care of him. Ronald Darby is going to be tasked with it. Everybody's going to get a piece of Amari Cooper because they're going to move him around the formation and the Eagles really yep. don't shadow anyone. So they have a tough task on their hand dealing with the weapons because Michael Gallup is a plus matchup too for me against the Eagles. Like this passing attack for Dallas really concerns me if Dak still has his arm intact. I, I don't even, Honestly, I don't even care. If it's a point where like, oh, he can't throw 15 yards downfield. Okay, he's going to eat the Eagles alive within 15 yards if they can't adjust to this. So that's what I'm concerned about. Not only that, you mentioned the run game, the option game, just the pure run game. I think the Eagles are 26th in DVOA since like week 10 against the run. So this vaunted at one point Philadelphia Eagles run defense has been looking pretty vulnerable, pretty mortal in the past couple of months. So I I just it's hard for me to look at this matchup with the Eagles against the Cowboys and not think points are on the way. What about you? Right. So uh, starting at the beginning, uh, Amari Cooper moving him around. The Cowboys like to run uh, YY wing. Yeah. I mean, like, I didn't realize mm-hmm. the extent to which they straight stole this from Philadelphia, but they did. <laughs> uh, well, they, they run it a lot more out of under center than the Eagles run it. Who The Eagles like to run out of gun. Uh, and that makes sense because the Cowboys, I think, want to run out of 12. But I think, um, I mean, the Eagles were doing that before Howard went down. They used a lot of it under center with YY yeah, wing. Yeah, 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 yeah. When they want to, I think they, they do. They, they run it out of gun because they, they, they run out of gun more frequently because they pass more frequently. The Cowboys, as an offense in general, 
And this is kind of a big deal. Um, they run 65% of the time out of out of 12, and they run 33% of the time out of 11. So you're twice as likely to see them run the football with this once Blake Jarwin comes onto the field, which is an objectively big deal. Mm. They want to run it out of 12, and so I think they go under under center accordingly. Um, but when they run wide wide wing and you have two receivers to the backside, it allows them to put Cooper in the slot, and it you can't. It's very difficult to push numbers over there to run zone over that two wide receiver set and this is very familiar to eagles fans because this is the problem the eagles put teams in when they go yy wing because you have potentially three receivers strong in two tight ends and a running back this is the advantage of nub set so you're going to get avante maddox one on one against amari cooper and that's going to be tough Hmm. you're going to get if the eagles are in base rodney mcleod or malcolm jenkins against amari cooper and like i got love for jank but man like that's that you know these these are big plus advantageous matchups now. And you would say like okay they, they well the Eagles can shade a safety that way and help them that way. I mean they 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 didn't in the in the Dallas game last time. We were complaining about right. it then. They had two wide receivers to the left. They went nub side to the right. Safety was concerned with the run strength. Safety was concerned with Blake Jarwin and Jason Witten. Right. But and even but and that's the thing is like even if you shade a safety there, what are you doing? Are you running? Right. You, are you putting your slot corner on a hook curl? You're putting your outside corner on a off. line. You're leaving him too high because it's a two way go for Cooper against a flat footed Rodney McLeod. Mm-hmm. He's gonna have fifty catches of over twenty yards. You know, like <laughs> you can't. You need to be able to carry him into space because he's such a good intermediate route runner. You have to be willing to at least collision him on his way up. And then playing with the safety over the top. But I just don't think you have a good enough cover safety who deploy deep. If you want to put Malcolm Jenkins deep, fine. But you're going to lose Jenkins against the run. I don't think they want to do that. Yeah. Right? And so so shading a safety, to me, like I don't even think it solves the problem. You likely are just putting a safety one-on-one with him instead of a corner one-on-one with him. Because I'm assuming you're running some sort of uh, of underneath zone underneath that. Down. Which, you take away the short stuff, I guess. But I'm, I, I would rather Cooper catch the short stuff than the intermediate and the deep stuff. Yeah. So you're looking at... at one-on-one coverage or you're looking at traditional cover three zones for philadelphia if they decide to go too high cool but they won't because they don't so you know you're going to be at a disadvantage against amari cooper now what i will say is randall cobb and and michael gallup are both not playing as good of ball as i thought they were Mm. uh gallup was a better route runner last year i don't know what happened um but i'm not impressed with his zone awareness which i thought was a strength of his in recent years i think it's 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 not as good he's not as confident i don't think he's as sharp in his breaks as he previously has been he's never been the quickest guy but i thought he was an industrious route runner i don't really see that which is disappointing now you know we always expect positive regression for players who are underperforming uh but but gallup to me has been disappointing and then cobb is 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 you know a, a slot receiver predicated on quickness who's now 31 years old so it, it is he 31 i think he's 31 he might be 30 he's getting up there but i think the biggest issue for them too and i mean cooper's kind of chilled he's out 29. on this they're bad in drops cobb has got a 13.5 percent drop rate michael gallup is right around 15 percent. so they're they're struggling to be consistent in that area and reliable in that area yeah, so got drops problems, and I don't think you have the strength in the receiving core that you believe that you once had. Now, that being said, oh, baby, Oklahoma State great Blake Jarwin. He's looking good. Tried to tell you. <laughs> I like Blake Jarwin coming out. Thought he was fun. And I believe Blake Jarwin like had like one of those weirdly good combines where you're like, oh, did you block like all forever? And he was yeah. like, yeah, I did block all forever, but it turns out I'm actually kind of fast and stuff. Yeah, he had, th- this is what it is, all right. He had himself... A 1-5-8, 10-yard split, which as a tight end puts him in the 85th percentile. And then he had a 121 broad jump. So he's explosive. Yeah. He's developed nicely. And they get him into space well. I think they target him on third downs. They like him a lot. Uh, this team is, doesn't throw very far beyond the sticks on third down. But when they do, I think they like to get their tight ends into the intermediate levels of the field. They do a good job with that. Jason Witten, there's no reason to put him more than five yards behind the line of scrimmage at this point. He's absolutely no juice. Um, so to, he's, he's, a, he's a stick flat snag runner. You know what I mean? Like he's, he's taken at max eight steps before he stops. <laughs> like, you know, you just, you just trying to hit him in rhythm. You're trying to, he's, he's, he's super nickel and dime sort of a player at, at, at this stage. So I like what they have in Blake Jarwin, but Cooper's, yeah, Cooper's going to move around. Cooper's going to be a problem for you. The Eagles are going to give up big plays to Cooper. They did, you know, they, they, he's the best receiver on that team. He's a great deep receiver. And that's the, the, the format of receivers that Eagles struggle with. Good, goes deep, is fast. And against a quarterback that even just has a pulse with the deep ball, and Dak definitely does. Dak is right. the best in adjusted completion percentage per PFF on throws traveling over 20 yards in the air. He will make you pay. 
tracking the injury stuff, but if he's if he's healthy, if he's able to throw it down the field, they're going to have some issues preventing some explosive plays because this secondary has not been consistent from week to week whatsoever, even in the good games. Ben, before we hit the break, I talked about the running game some. Do you want to elaborate on that before we go? Yeah, no, I do. Um, As I said, I, I feel like I was watching the Cowboys run the football, and I was like, hey, they run it to the tight end almost exclusively, <laughs> which is a, like, we chuckle. Dude, almost exclusively, which is a huge deal. Yeah. Carried the ball 19 times against Chicago. I counted three runs away from the tight end. They run strong. I would say easily 75%, if not 80% of their runs are are the strong side. If they are, if you, so defining running strength can be a little bit tricky when uh, a team like the Cowboys, what they like to do is they like to go two by two sets. And, 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 you know, if you have like a tight end flexed out, I say they run to the tight end. If you have a tight end flexed out, then the, the tendency tends to go away. But if there's an inline tight end and Prescott opens to that side, they're running the football. Oh, yeah. And they'll, they'll put, Elliot, same side as the tight end and run ISO and run same side power. They'll put him opposite the tight end and run traditional power and have him run outside zone. They'll they'll go put him in, under the center and they'll run toss to the tight end side. This team runs through their tight if it's one tight end or two tight ends, and especially if it's two tight ends, they are running it's inside zone to the two tight end side over and over and over and over again. This team is not trying to disguise tendency. Motion with the with the wide receiver into the formation, it's a lie. They're not cracking. They're not cracking and running weak side. Only plays I've seen them consistently run weak side is sometimes they run zone weak. Hmm. And typically it's inside of 20s, either backed up to their goal line or in the red zone. Between the 20s, if it's a two tight end set, they're running inside zone to the tight ends. If it's a one tight end set, they run a bevy of different things, but it'll be uh, a power. It'll be, uh, they don't run duo too much. They'll run uh, with one polar. They'll run long trap. They'll run dart, but they're, they want to run to Witten mm-hmm. exclusively. And this is a huge deal because when Prescott opens opposite the tight end, it's play action. They're not handing the football off. Right. It's very irregular, but they do. They, they'll, they'll put the fullback in the backfield opposite the tight end and they'll have, Oluwale step up as if he's lead blocking and they'll open away from the tight end. It's play action. They're not handing the ball off. They're not running behind Oluwale if, if Witten's on the opposite side of the formation, which is stupid, but they're not. I mean, I'm telling you, the 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 Rams, he ran. I, I charted the, the Bears and the Rams because after I watched New England and Buffalo, I was like, okay, wait a minute. Chicago, I charted three weak side runs. The Rams, I charted seven weak side runs. Five of them came in the second half when the score is more than 20 points difference, which is tendency killing tendency in my breaker. opinion. <laughs> that's just that's just trying to hide tendency. Yeah. This team runs strong all the time. And so what this gives you the ability to do is just push numbers. So you push numbers to the strong side. And when they found successful weak side runs against Chicago, it's because Chicago was way overloaded to the strong side. Yeah. And Chicago started going bare front and trying to just control backside three on three with a nose of three technique and a stand up seven. And Dallas was like, I will run zone weak at this. And they did successfully. He had one positive run weak against Chicago and it went for 31 yards <laughs> and it was inside zone weak. And they, and just Teron Smith sealed off the backside yeah. and he just ran a B gap rail and there was nobody there. Mm. Because they they had, they had, they were able to, to to wall off all of the backside pursuit because Chicago had rotated the safety strong and they were playing single high behind it. So Philadelphia's going to do this. I mean, Philadelphia's just going to put numbers on your strong side because they're going to gap control you. I don't think Dallas is willing to run the ball weak consistently, and and it may or may not have something to do with the power that they get out of the guys on the left side of their line because I think they very much feel that they have. Uh, they have winners on the the left side of the line because typically they're putting a tight end on the right side of the formation. They have winners on the left side of the line. Obviously, you're running behind Tyron Smith. You have Travis Frederick as your center. And then when uh, Xavier Suofilo is in there, Suofilo is not a great pass blocker, but I think as a run blocker, he's more successful. Lyle Collins is not the most impressive run blocker I've ever seen. Yeah. So they put the tight end to his side and they help him out. And then mm-hmm. this allows you to pull Zach Martin, your right guard, when you're running strong to the right. If you're running pin pole, if you're running crack toss, you get Zach Martin out in space. And that's great because he's Zach Martin. So you don't want to look at, I mean, the Eagles are going to want to load up boxes and they're going to want to load them up strong. And I think they're going to be right in doing so. The issue is that this puts you in man on the backside. And this is where the Cowboys don't run a ton of RPOs. But when they do, it's Amari Cooper on a three-step slant in a ton of space. Mm-hmm. Because linebackers potentially got shifted to rotate a Sam onto the line of scrimmage. 
or it's play action naked boot, play action rollout, and then it's two-man concept with Cooper breaking at 15 yards with Michael Gallup, Randall Cobb breaking at 17 yards against man coverage with only single high safety help, and they break outside away from the safety help, and you hit them on the sideline. So you're going to get beat up by weak side passing plays, but you should be able to control the running game because I'm, uh, as linebackers, like we talked about the keys for Seattle in terms of they they give you zone looks when they're running play action. If Prescott pivots open away from the tight end, that is play action 70% of the time. If, piv- if, if Prescott opens to the tight end side with Elliott single back in the backfield, to me, that's a run 70, 75% of the time. That's huge. And it's not hard to see and they're not hiding it. They run a variety of concepts, but they want to run strong. So you have to be willing to win those gaps and put those numbers there. The issue is, is surviving on the backside, which we know will be an issue to Philadelphia. Now, this is why I say if Rush is in there, they're probably going to have to change this because they're going to massively open the rushing playbook. Right. But with Prescott, again, they're not hiding it. This team is a strong side running team. That's a good find, Ben, and another example of why we always split these shows up into two different previews because we, we always have too much to come into it's a okay. Show. The Eagles, nobody cares about the Eagles offense. Really? This is fine. I think it's going to be play, play a pretty big factor in this one. So when we come back, we are going to cover the Eagles offense against the Cowboys defense. That's coming up next here on the Kiston Solak Show. Support for this episode comes from Viator. Sure, a good souvenir is always fun, but it's the experiences that people love the most about traveling. When you get back home, that t-shirt might fade and that snow globe might break, but it's those once-in-a-lifetime memories that will last. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like architectural sightseeing, snorkeling excursions, sunset cruises, and so much more. With Viator, you can reserve everything from simple tours to thrilling adventures with over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries. Whether you're a foodie, a history buff, or an adrenaline junkie, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you can have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Make memories that will last forever with Viator. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Life moves pretty fast. Are you drinking water that can keep up? Smartwater Alkaline has everything you need to stay hydrated, no matter where your day takes you. Whether you're pitching a tent or your next big idea, Smartwater Alkaline can help you perform your best. It delivers a pure, crisp taste that makes it the perfect chaser after a big workout. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smart Water Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. And we are back here on the Kist and Solak Show, episode 161, SB Nation, Bleeding Green Nation, Michael Kist here with Benjamin Solak. Ben, I just had something cross through the timeline before we get to the Eagles offense. We got to talk about the third phase of the game real quick. 32nd in EPA per play is the Dallas Cowboys special teams. We found the clear advantage in this as I game. As I said at the end of the last segment, <laughs> the biggest tendency I noticed on the film is that the Cowboys special team sucks, question mark. Listen, I mean, with Brett Maher out and Kai Forbath in as the kicker, to me, that doesn't matter because you're not going to get at least one missed kick a game as you did with Maher when he was playing. Well, Kai Forbath started the stint with the Cowboys by having the opening kickoff go out of bounds, which some oh, would Lord. actually say is an improvement <laughs> over Maher. <laughs> so... There's that going on. So they're struggling in that area. But let's talk about this Eagles offense, this Eagles plan, and how they can beat up on this Cowboys defense. The Cowboys defense, obviously, the the weaker of the units, the one you can get at, the one you can score points on. However, the Eagles, of course, are depleted themselves in that area. Ben, what stands out to you when you look at the matchup? Because I'm really like, other than just... The, the, the Eagles are going to run their normal stuff. I think lately they we've been impressed by the fact that they're running more level stuff. They're still threatening intermediate. They're trying to threaten deep despite the fact that it's not there. But guys still got to run with guys. So, you know, it, it kind of helps loosen up the field a little bit. But this Cowboys defense has been struggling. I watched the Rams game, though. You watch them up front, and that defensive line just whooped the Rams front in the run I game. I did not watch more than two drives of the Rams thing. 
Because the thing with it is like the Cowboys ran their base Rod Marinelli system. Yeah. And then they found the Rams and they're like, all right, we're going to run the Rams beating system, which is what Belichick popularized in the suffocation during the Super yeah. Bowl. And I was like, they're not going to do this against Philadelphia because Philadelphia doesn't run 11 personnel bunch sets. So they're not. This. I didn't have many, many takeaways from that game defensively, just from a schematic standpoint, other than the fact that they performed really well against the Rams offensive line that is struggling and I don't think is near the caliber of the Eagles. So if you're looking at that Rams game saying, how can the Eagles? have success in the ground game well they just have better dudes they have much better dudes along that defense along that offensive line to be able to contend with that still you are worried about if lane johnson can't go halapuli vitivaita is the main weakness for me we uh, you know applauded him for his last game not standing out like a sore thumb and actually had a decent game against washington but when you go up against demarcus lawrence that's an entirely different beast ben what stands Mm. up it stands out to you about this matchup good news bad news Mm. right this is how we're going to kind of approach it Bad news. The Cowboys' run defense against 12 personnel has gotten significantly better as the season has gone on. Overall, they're at 45% success rate when teams run against them out of 12. Over the last five weeks, that's at like 36. So they've significantly improved. Now, a healthy Sean Lee is what does this for you. When you put three linebackers on the field and you're not asking Xavier Woods to come up and play run defense because Xavier Woods is soft then you're, you've you got pro- probably the best three linebacker set that gets on the field. Maybe you have a conversation about Seattle or Carolina just because of the strength of their starting two. But I think in terms of like Sean Lee's the best like third linebacker to get on the field in the league. It's just I, absurd I that he, he he's the third linebacker off, but he is. So Sean Lee healthy is what helps you out with that. Now, Sean Lee did not participate in week 16 practice. Neither did, uh, or excuse me, not week 16, uh, Wednesday practice. Yeah. Neither did Leighton Van Der Esch. Right. I think both are still a go, right? I don't think Van Der Esch is going to go. I think Sean Lee might. I'm not I'm not sure, okay. though. Like, I haven't seen anything. Again, we're recording on Thursday. We don't have the Thursday updated report from the Cowboys. But that is seriously in question. And with Jalen Smith in there, they used to like to bring Jalen Smith a lot as a blitzer. Not so much if they don't have right. Leighton Van Der Esch out there. So even if Sean Lee does play, it kind of changes the construction of what they want to do with their linebackers. Right. Well, that's the thing is because with Van Der Esch out over these last few weeks, they've brought Joe Thomas in. Hmm. And now it's Thomas, Lee, and Smith who play in the three linebacker sets. And this is where they've been successful against the run. That's the bad news. The good news is twofold. Number one, they've gotten way worse against the pass because Leighton Van Der Esch isn't in there anymore. <laughs> and Van Der Esch is a nightmare to pass against because he's gigantic and quick. I mean, he's yeah. not a great cover man. Goddard beat him multiple times last year, beat him multiple times this past year, uh, this past game, this season, excuse me. But in zones, he's just, you, you don't want to be throwing, you don't want to be making this guy wrong in zones because he's wicked quick and he's super long. So he's really good underneath passing plays. You put him next to a guy like Jalen Smith with similar traits and it's just a ton of body to try to get the ball through when you're trying to throw first window, first level throws uh, through those short zones. So that's good news part one. Good news part two is the Eagles aren't running out of 12 personnel nearly as much with Jordan Howard sidelined. <laughs> Miles Sanders are running out of 11 if and when they can. I mean, they've officially now made 12 personnel the base defense, or the base offense, excuse me. They don't, they can't, like over the last few weeks, you're just never in 11 personnel because you don't want Robert Davis taking snaps, right? Right. In week 15 alone, the Eagles took 61% of their snaps out of 12 and 16% out of 11. So this, this has become a 12 personnel team accordingly. But Sanders, they like to run out of wider sets. So I think you're going to still run the football out of 11 and find success. So that's good news, bad news. Good news, bad news, part two. Bad news. Zach Ertz is going to get Byron Jones. We agree on this, right? 100%. I just bumped an article that I wrote, what, two years ago about how Jones followed around Ertz on third down. He's absolutely going to. Number one, the Cowboys know they struggle against tight ends. They're 26 in DVOA against tight ends. Number two, it's been a formula that has absolutely stifled the Eagles for stretches of play before in their history. So, yeah. Byron Jones on Zachary. Who are they going to put him on? Who who they who who they be afraid right, who of? Who else who like what else, who else is worthy? <laughs> right. You know, of whatever of 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 um Byron it might not Jones. be all day but it'll be like the Tredavious White thing, you know, where you follow him around on key downs or whatever the case. Oh, like I'm, they'll I'd, they'll find him. I think it's going to be all day. You know, I mean, <laughs> I like should. It, yeah. yeah, I I I don't think Chris Richard's going to hide from that fact. And yeah, if you look at Zach Ertz's last few games against the Cowboys, two receptions for 38 yards earlier this year. Last year, the second game was five receptions for 38 yards on eight targets. Got to be Goddard. He had a big game, 14 receptions, 145 yards, two touchdowns. That was the... um. I believe that was the game. No, that wasn't the overtime game, but that was a close game. And then uh, in 2017, two receptions, 24 yards, and two receptions for eight yards. The Cowboys have made it a point 
for the last five games. They've had really, really quiet games out of Zach Ertz. The Eagles do not have Alshon Jeffrey to respond. They may not even have Nelson Aguilar of all people to respond. So it's bad news. Good news. Dallas Goddard has been playing significantly better football in year two with every week as a receiver. And the Eagles like to target Dallas Goddard on screens. The Cowboys Mm -hmm. have been, what's the word? Abysmal? Yeah. Awful. Why? (laughs) And like, that's the thing is like, I I sat down, I was like, why? And I watched and it was just like, because they get blocked. Like the screen, like they work. I mean, like they, the, 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 the front is aggressive. The linebackers are fast to flow. If you give them a play action look and you're able to get one body on them, you're usually good. Like Sean Lee is good at diagnosing them, but he's slow to get there. LVE is like, I think him being out is is, huge. He sees the quarterback with his back turned backpedaling and he gets, you know, bull syndrome, right? Like he sees red. He wants to go upfield, 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 which is annoying because of that one freaking time he beat the Eagles on the best play he's ever made his entire life against the screen. Yeah. And he's never made a quality play like that since, which is yeah. um, anyway. I'm Last not sure. year where we split the blockers, very frustrating. Everyone's like, "Well, you were in the screen." Like that works ninety nine times out of a hundred. He just yeah, made yeah, great yeah. I mean, it was play. a real quality play by Leighton Van Der Esch, and it's really not a play I've seen him made on film uh, in in my my recent studies. I think yeah. he probably has made similar plays before, but I haven't seen them anyway. The, the the other thing that I will say is like I think screens to Demarcus Lawrence side are generally pretty effective as well. Um, mm-hmm. Lawrence loves to come inside on rushes and very typically on a screen if you're developing it to lawrence's side or to any defensive end side you want to get him to spike inside you don't want him to go outside because then he can get into the throwing lane he can inhibit the quarterback's vision you want to get him to spike inside and lawrence comes inside a lot when tackles overset and so you can bait him into doing that and then he effectively removes himself out of the play you just shove him as far inside as you can and then you either the tackle goes out or the tackle can just stay in and make sure he finishes it off the eagles have been targeting dallas goddard a lot on screens they 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 give him a, a screen target a game sometimes two or three yes sir yeah sixteen yarder uh, and a eight yarder against uh, the the Redskins this past week it's gonna be screens again for Dallas Goddard I think that's where they're gonna find success one thing that you have to watch out for in terms of Zach Ertz with Byron Jones is you can't put Ertz as your backside X anymore which the Eagles really haven't been doing that much since right. they lost all their wide receivers is they've just put been putting JJ back there and being like yeah we're just gonna you know, take one player out of the play and whatever, it's fine. But if you put Ertz back there, you get Byron Jones out there and it allows the Cowboys to lock Ertz and man coverage there and then play six over three zone on the opposite side. This is cover three, Mabel, cover three, skate. I have a clip on my timeline of the Dallas Goddard touchdown against the Cowboys earlier this week, which was in that context. Yep. Six over three zone with man locked on the backside one on one. You don't want to throw against six over three zone. It's hard to throw over six over three zone, cover three Mabel, cover three skate. So generally you try to avoid it. But if you know the tendency is there, then you can't exploit it. And the Eagles have done that. So that's the bad news. I mean, well, I mean, the, the Bears did it too. They're like, we know that the Cowboys are going to check to this and we're going to throw it at Jalen Smith with Allen Robinson three consecutive times and he's going to catch one of them. I mean, and I know it was a, right. that was in the deep red zone, but the Eagles knew exactly what matchup they were going to get in that case with Dallas Goddard. They were able to exploit it. Carson put a great ball on Dallas Goddard. And when you say Dallas Goddard, all I can hear is one catch for 75 yards and a touchdown. That's all Jeff I Heath. Guys played well against Cowboys. Except for that fumble, of course. But that was the fumble where everybody was like, Dallas Goddard's bad. And I was like, he was held up by two dudes and a third dude came in for the ball. Defense allowed to make good plays. This is our adage. Anyway, (laughs) so things you expect. Eagles to run the ball out of 11 and try to avoid running the ball out of 12. If and when they run out of 12, spread 12, not condense 12. Pass out of 12. Because he allows you to hide Zach Ertz from Byron Jones potentially a little bit more easily. Put him in the line of scrimmage, have him release out. Passing game. Don't put Zach Ertz backside. Try to bury him in, in three receiver sets. Again, see if you can get Jones off of him. And if you can, target him, target him, target him. That's going to be your only shot. If you have Ertz backside, Byron Jones is going to follow him. You're going to have to throw six against three. Player cover three, Mabel beaters. Cowboys know they're going to be coming, though. I would not be shocked if they have a change up to pitch. You're going to have that weak safety poach. So weak safety poach, he robs number three on the deep cross instead of the linebacker. The linebacker goes to two strong. Now you're thrown into a bad look. Um, that's not dissimilar to what happened on Rasul Douglas's interception against the Cowboys last year. Don't quote me on that. Maybe I'm thinking of the wrong play. Anyway, <laughs> Dallas Goddard on screens, Miles Sanders on screens, Boston Scott on screens. They will send Leighton Van Der Esch, if he doesn't play, they will send Jalen Smith 
on-man coverage on running backs from the A-gap. I mean, they're not putting him on the line. Yeah. They will have him run and chase dudes all the way out of the line of scrimmage. You've got to be able to throw against leverage to Boston Scott Miles Sanders. They make Jalen Smith miss in space. Not easy, but it's possible. Now you've got green grass. Um, so that's, I think, what you look for in the running game and in the passing game. So let's go to the DraftKings Sportsbook official line. And Ben, any extra points you can throw in here when you throw it in with your final prediction here. But the Eagles are two-and-a-half-point underdogs, who I've been told have run faster in the biggest game of Carson Wentz's career until he wins it. And then the next pay, the next game will be the biggest game of Carson Wentz's career. And then he wins that, and he's in the playoffs. And that's going to be the biggest game of his career. And if he wins that, that next game, most important game of his career. So a lot of important games hopefully coming up for Carson Wentz. This is a big one. The over-under is at 46 and a half. Ben, do math for me. What is Vegas saying? This, well, but you know, what? screw it. Let's just give our final predictions here because we're doing the whole twenty-three one to thing twenty-five because of, because of traveling. Say that again, Ben. Twenty-three to twenty-five. Twenty-three to twenty-five. Okay. So, no, forty-six. Twenty-two to twenty-four. Doesn't matter, Ben, because we're only doing one show, so we don't have to split it up like this. Twenty-two to twenty-four. <laughs> ben, what do you have for your final prediction? What's your score? I don't think the Eagles win the football game. I think they yeah. lose the football game. Same. A note on this being the most important game of Carson Wentz's career. <laughs> in the event that they lose it, next year when they're playing for playoff contention in the division, that will become the most important game of his career because he failed to execute in this the most important game of his career. <laughs> and in the event that he wins, subsequent games, as you said, you know, beat the Giants, make the, the playoffs, well, then the Seahawks game or the Niners game at home, playoff, it's going to be for Carson Wentz's first playoff game. Yeah. It's going to be the most important game of his career. The thing about most important games of, of your career is that they inherently create subsequent important games. And also, the only thing that matters, oh, well, if, if Carson loses, it's going to change the way we look at him. The only thing it changes is our feelings. It, it doesn't really change anything else. Anyway, Ben, I, I think that all of that's overblown. I was laughing at Coward, by the way. I was I was on Coward's side when he was talking about the whole what Nick Foles and Philly thing. You didn't see that? You avoid a lot of that nonsense. Could not pull Colin Cowards. That's not true. I see the commercials where he's like, the quarterback <laughs> is the handsome kid. I, I honestly don't think I've ever listened to like a thing on his show. He was ripping on the whole uh, shtick about it being Carson Wentz's biggest game of his career. So you'd probably be on his side, too. He was also ripping on the city of Philadelphia, uh, wanting Nick Foles over Carson Wentz. But we know that was just a d- d- depending on when you polled the Eagles fans. I think I think at worst it was about a split audience. I think I think we realize who the better quarterback is now. Anyway, Ben, your prediction. I forgot the Witchers on Netflix in a couple of days. Sick. Ben, focus. We need to do the this. The Eagles are probably going to lose the football game. They are insanely depleted in terms of health. Uh, the Cowboys are coming into this game certainly healthier. The Cowboys are coming into this game off of not only a better performance, but generally a better season. I mean, again, they're like sixth best in the league in point differential. This team, they have the same record, but they play better ball, period. Also, the Cowboys have seemed to have the Eagles number over the past few weeks or past few years. Excuse me. The Eagles have lost their last four against Dallas. Yes. One of the games was the Nate Sudfeld game zero to six in 2017. I don't. Okay. They lost their last three and, and overtime game. Weird bounce of this with Douglas Shore. The, the Cowboys have been a bugaboo uh, for Doug Peterson's Eagles. And, and I expect them to continue to be so. To me, this is a situation where we're going to get a good performance from both sides of the ball, but eventually talent's going to outclass. So give me Dallas, I would say 27-22. I don't, I don't think there's any reasonable way you can argue that the Eagles defense is going to be slow, going to be able to slow down the Cowboys offense. I don't. Unless Dak is severely hindered. That's the only way. And we don't know that. Dominant pass rush performance. Other than getting that. Problem is, Prescott's good. You get a lucky, you know, off Dak game and, and the run game doesn't get going or whatever the case is. Still, talent for talent, they don't match up. Coach for coach. Kellen Moore pantsed Jim Schwartz earlier this year. Straight up embarrassed him yeah. in multiple ways. Schwartz looked lost against Moore. I don't expect that to change. I don't expect this to not be a track meet if Dak has most of his arm in him. That's my problem, and I don't think the Eagles have the weapons to keep up with it. It's not a referendum on Carson Wentz for me. A lot of people will make it that. I just don't think when these teams stack up. Right. I mean, like, this is a, a push game because there's so much riding on it, and Carson's himself been like, this FBN. is the most important game. Like, I need to win. And when Carson pushes, he doesn't play well. Yep. So mm-hmm. I don't think he's going to play well. I think Carson's going to have a bad game. I think Carson's going to have fumbles and interceptions. 
And if he has a good game, awesome. But I don't think he will. And then when he doesn't, I will be like, yes. What happens when the Cowboys get up to an early lead and Carson now feels like he has to put this push game yeah. on his back? That's what, what that's that's what happens. That's what, what happens. happens when the first third and 11 draw doesn't work and doesn't extend a drive, right? And, <laughs> in a highly like improbable way. You know what I mean? <laughs> They've needed comeback wins. And, and look, great for Carson. I'm glad he just didn't like fart himself in, in clutch situations. It's important to establish a baseline of whether or not you're going to be able to survive those situations or not. Right. Washington, New York. Awesome. Why were they in that situation? Dallas is much better than Washington and New York. The way that the Eagles are playing lately, Eagles win. Can you call it a slam dunk that they're still going to win the division? They still yes. have to beat the yes. Giants. After Absolutely. This. Yes. If they win this game, there's no way they drop one of the Giants. You, I would put thousand like I would put insane money on it. Okay. This team who's been to the playoffs in back to back years with highly improbable runs that they finish off is gonna drop one to the Daniel Jones led Giants after winning three straight against divisional opponents. No chance. Have you seen this team? No chance. When was the last time they put together three straight wins anyway? Not this hmm. year. Mm. Last year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When they rode it to the playoffs. Okay. Okay. That's what I'm saying. What's your score prediction if Cooper Rush plays? If Cooper Rush plays, Eagles win. I mean, what's your I don't score prediction? Twenty to ten, twenty-one to ten. Like I, I don't. Yeah, I, twenty-three to nine. Three field e- goals. Yeah, e- yeah. Eagles, thirty carries between Miles Sanders, Boston Scott, right. and like Jay Ajayi. It's 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 a game that's not really close that the Eagles are in control of the entire time. That's how I feel. If Cooper Rush yeah. plays, I don't care Better what the score is. There's there's a significant gap there. Score prediction: If Cooper Rush plays, gets injured, and third stringer slash current <laughs> practice squatter Clayton Thorson. <laughs> has to go in what are the max number of points you can 40 score in a football game? to seven i mean i think it's a shootout then 40 to 39 cowboys <laughs> so uh my, my score prediction for this game 30 to 20 cowboys boom 30 to so 20. we're both being bummers all of you can hate us and add us when the eagles win hopefully they do i'm yeah. rooting for it destroy us in the three words yeah. Oh, kill us in the three words. We'll read every single one of them as our as our penance. At, no, there's like you're going to be like 600 of those. We won't do that, but we'll read a lot of them and we'll call ourselves out. All right, Ben, that's going to do it for the preview show here. Last words. Say goodbye. Hey, hey, hey. Thank you as always for listening to the Kiss and Solak show here on BGN Radio. We hoped we would get here. Here we have arrived. Happy holidays. Our early Christmas present to you is all of the information you need to watch the Eagles beat. The Cowboys this upcoming Sunday, 425, America's Game of the Week. Troy and Joe, baby! Ugh. You want to get some angry tweets about commentators, make sure you swing by my timeline, which is, by the way, at Michael Kist, NFL, that's K-I-S-T. He's Benjamin Solak <laughs> on Twitter, at Benjamin Solak. That's S-O-L-A-K. Listen, this one's uh, for uh, the extent of the marbles, as it were, and we hope that we have another several weeks of podcasting to do for you. But in the event that the Eagles fall out of playoff contention uh we hope that you take these last final days to leave us a review leave us a rating if you've enjoyed us if you've listened to the show regularly sporadically just when you have free time if you feel like we've gotten you better prepared for a game go ahead and let us know in the reviews it means uh, the world and a half to us and also we're trying to beat the eagles receivers in a race for their receiving yards versus our reviews so please go ahead rate review and subscribe on whatever app you listen to your podcast i already told you who we were i already told you what's coming up last thing you need to know is that no matter the result Sunday night, Monday morning, we will have a podcast ready for you to break down the result, sad or otherwise. Thank you so much for listening. We will catch you on Monday. We all we got, we all we need, Fly Eagles Fly. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. 
You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement.